Roland's a fantastic songwriter. It's a special talent and a gift to have. And if you can do that, I think, you know, to be able to do that. I mean, yes, you're involved in the restaurant business too, which is a far cry from music. But I also know you have an interest in that too and the management and the box tea house. Maybe if you're not Irish and you're listening to this, you'll not know. Tell us a bit about the history of the box tea house okay. in Dublin. Yeah, the box tea house, myself and my brother, Parry Gog. Uh, started in 1988 and there were no Irish restaurants in Dublin at the time in fact there wasn't even Temple Bar Temple Bar was going to be a bus depot but we uh, developed this plan for an idea for, for Boxty which we grew up on in, in Leitrim and uh, we patented the way the Boxty was made and, and a special dish that we had and opened the Boxty house and everybody thought down in Temple Bar or down there there's nobody down there an Irish restaurant you're out of your mind and uh, within about Two weeks, we were full every night. There was an extra. We had a write up in the Irish Times from somebody. We had. Uh, we were noted for having very friendly staff and very. It was always, you know, that was always the way we had a fire lit in the place. Everybody shared tables. There was none of this sitting. If you came in, you had to share tables. That was it. It was so small. There was wasn't room to be, you know, turning tables over. Yes. But that became actually a part of the whole thing. People loved that whole idea that they could meet and mix, and. Um, it went off the strength. And today, it's one of the busiest restaurants in Temple Bar. You know, it's it's doubled in size, mind you. And uh, they brew their own beer now. And my brother runs it, or he goes still in the gallery. And his son is now running it as well. So yeah, great success story. It's there thirty five years now, I think, at this stage. Yeah, uh, I think you know Irish people generally. You know, we we do like our food. We actually like we we do like to cook it to create it because. Actually, creating a, f- a food dish or 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 performing music, create it's there's a part of you in it. It's a creation process, and there's nothing nicer than if your friends invited around and and you create or cook a dish. And and and, and the same goes for that's the whole thing about creativity. Uh, why it's so important, not just for the arts, but in science. For example, an engineer who sits down and designs a bridge that's going to be, you know. Wow, that's amazing. That's creativity. And all of that is all expressing ourselves. It's all part of that whole... Um, creativity itself is probably what drives us all. It's yes. what drives humanity forward, creativity. The whole, I mean, if we didn't have creativity, we'd be in the same place the whole time and there'd be life would be quite boring, I'm quite sure. Also, I'm sure you probably hear in the background there's the occasional plate being lifted, but myself and Roland, we visited a place, we come very often here, the Angler's Rest in in uh, Ballycollin and County Cavan. And I can tell you, folks, if you ever visit the area and you want to ha- have a, a fine culinary experience, come here. The staff are wonderful, the food is great, and they very graciously gave us a room here to, to conduct this interview. So, yes, you might hear the odd noise, but that kind of proves this is real. We are real, it's real, this is life. It's, it's, it's about, I think, what we all recognise. Nothing's cleaned up or cleaned out, it's as it is. And, you know, people like Ronan are an inspiration to all of us because at the end of the day, it proves that the only blockage we have to success is our own minds. If we believe we can do something or if we have the bit, we can do it. There's nothing we can't do. uh, And we just sometimes we're inclined to build roadblocks in front of ourselves instead of clearing the path. And like, as I say, Ronan was someone who's done many things in his life, but he has found his calling now because as a songwriter, as a musician, uh, he's 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 contributed something really unique to the Irish 
uh, music scene here and Ronan's very much respected and admired by some of the biggest stars in the country uh, and that is not easily earned. You only earn that because what you're doing is at the highest level and that's why I'm so proud as his friend to have him on the Torn Up interview because it should give inspiration to people listening here that if you have a talent, if you have an ability, if you have a dream that you want to follow, go follow it. Don't be afraid. Take that fourth step as the start of your journey and, you know, you will get there. We all do eventually get there. And, you know, you, you, had, you had a, we, we skipped, you had a second album that you released back, what, a couple of years ago, um, Time Waits for No One. Time Waits for No One is right. And that's also an apt kind of a saying too, uh, you know, don't put something off till tomorrow yeah. that you can do today. Absolutely. It came out of, um, <coughs> I got ill and uh, things weren't looking good. And I remember we went to Mark, who's no longer with us, my producer and great friend, Mark Egan. And uh, I said to him, Time Waits for No One, I said... <laughs> we got to get this album done. So we did it during COVID, and it was all done via uh, internet, via that. So you, you, some parts we got people into the studio. But I was very proud of that album, and it worked out very well. And uh, it, it was kind of what made me realise that, actually, what it's about is producing your music, creating it, producing it, getting it out there. And that's why, in actually, the next few months, I'm going to start on my third album. Because you can't, you know, you got to keep moving forward. You got to keep creating. You got to keep, you know. You've made that album. It's done. I've often heard musicians and songwriters say, oh, "When an album's done, I don't look back on it." Now I do look back on them, but if you start looking back on them all the time, so much time passes between the last one and the next one being done that it nearly kills the momentum. So you just got to keep looking forward, keep making the new music. And I, I, I'm a songwriter. I write songs, so I keep. I have over two hundred songs written, so I've. A good 10 albums ahead of me yet to record. Thank you. 
I think that's the thing I know about you. You know, the, the, you're very productive, and you know, I, yes, I'm lucky enough, you know, to hear some of these songs. I get the very forced listen because Roland will ring me up and he say, Jerry, uh, I'm going to send you. I'm after just recording this uh, on the phone, and that's another thing we'll touch on too. We are blessed to live in a time where we have that technology that you can put your phone uh, down and record a song and send it wherever, to your friend who might be 20 mile away or the other side of the world, it really doesn't matter. And there's downsides to the fact that maybe there's not the same money to be made uh, from selling albums and stuff. But I think that the upside of that is in order for people like Ronan to create uh, an album or record it, in the old days, it would have cost tens of thousands to do it in a recording studio and all this uh, that that cost so much and that really most bands, unless they were lucky enough to get a record deal, they never got that, you know, that coveted debut album out. So, you know, with that in mind, Ronan, do you think that, you know, the, the level of... Um, accessibility that we have to creating something that that's something that really is so important to the independent musician if they're recording a song or creating it that that's that's a big plus big big plus it is minuses too because <clears throat> you know just because you can make uh, you have the facilities to make music and song it doesn't necessarily mean that you should in some cases but having said that there are, it's the same, same time for film as well. It's been democratised. In other words, anybody can. Now, it's so much different. The record label behind you beforehand, selling albums when they could sell albums, back in the 70s, the heyday. I mean, they were the glory days for, 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 for bands because music was absolutely valued. I mean, we grew up, we're the generation that grew up with that. We paid for music, and, and I still don't mind paying for music. And, I, you know, uh, it doesn't, it's, I don't see music as something I should be getting free. I, I value it. But I think with that democratization has come a huge, huge landscape. So it's harder to get heard. So you have to work at that. And you work on that through the social media and through the, the accounts and your fans or the people. Now, I have a lot of people on my page who would you know, be fans of my music, but I do photographs as well. There's a cross section of, of yeah. things. So, and, and indeed, those people funded my last two albums and will hopefully fund the next one. I've done those all yes. on GoFundMe campaigns and mainly from people, fans on the side. So, it, is, it has good and bad to it. It has good in that it has democratised everything, but it has bad to it in that it has devalued music and it has, like, you know, a billion, you need a billion players on Spotify to get... You know, the price of a McDonald's Happy Meal or something. I don't know, it's something ridiculous anyway. But, um, or unless you're in the billions, you're not making any money. Whereas, for me, uh, I still print CDs and I sell the CDs to those fans and that value is held in those CDs and that covers the cost of the album. And it's back to what I said earlier, let the work be its own reward. The fact that I got an album, two albums made, that were paid for by fans and enjoyed by fans and enjoyed by people. Well, that says as much to me as if I was, well, probably not standing on Glastonbury stage, but it does say a lot to me about the sustainability of what I'm doing, in that it's, it, I can get two albums made now with the help of fans. And as you said, 30 years ago, you'd have been tens and tens, but in a hope you wouldn't, you would not have a more chance of doing that. So, good and bad. Um, and 
it's like everything, isn't it? There's good and, there was good and bad in the other system as well, because if you didn't get the tens of thousands, you didn't get to make an album. So, well, uh, I suppose the thinking was then, Ronan, that yes, there was there was bands signed up to record labels and they did very well, but then there was tens of thousands of bands that just couldn't make it onto the roster, were still very good. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Couldn't make it onto the roster and yet, you know, probably, you know, deserve to get that chance. So I suppose there's there's more people uh, have that maybe ability to break through. I, 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 I'll give an example. There was an American Southern rock band called Whiskey Myers, came to Ireland before COVID, maybe a couple of years before COVID. I hadn't heard of them till I, I, I just happened to come across them on Spotify and listen to them. I kind of really like that. And they played Ireland for the first time and they played the larger room in Wheelands, which holds 400 people, and they sold it out. And they'd never played Ireland before. It was basically because of their social media presence. That's why I was there. That's why a whole lot of other people were there. And the band themselves would have said, you know, 20 years ago, they couldn't have done that. They, yeah. they, they'd have had an album deal or something to promote them. But because of their social media, and they were very good at social media, because I had saw them through that. So they were good at what they did. Um, if you had advice to give for any person that was thinking of going down the creative path and maybe getting involved in, in music or filmmaking or whatever, would there be any particular advice that you would give them at the start of their journey? Try and learn as much about it before you start. I did. And, like, you can't learn how to write songs and you can't learn how to make films There's, or tell stories. They're probably innate creative things that are with you, which you can learn mechanisms that are used to present them and to get them. For example, you want to write a script and you want to send it to somebody. It has to have, you know, scene one, exterior, mountain, hilltop, Cochran walks, you know, whatever. So <clears throat> you have to understand that's how it's done. Um, and I, 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 you know, as back to that whole thing about creativity, what really is creativity is just... Uh, an attempt to, whether it's building a bridge or anything, it's an attempt to express ourselves and attempt to do something functional with it with an expression, either to get a message across or to give an abstract idea or, as I said, to build a bridge. So, I just think creativity is just a magical thing. And I just think it's, it's uh, and it's hard to explain what it is. It's hard to explain what it is. Okay. But like music is a fundamental part of our process that without which I don't think we'd function at all. On yeah. any level. On any level. I, I, I would agree with that.
talking about stories and stuff and, and we talked about the Boxty House the Boxty House actually and, and probably still is but was well known to be visited by some fairly famous people in your time was there some pretty famous people that you actually had, were lucky enough to meet in I, your time yeah I did yeah I met quite a lot and it had a lot of luminaries through the store I met Johnny Depp oh. he was in with Shane McGowan and uh, I actually went downstairs to the basement office with him and Drank a few whiskeys with him down there, away from the madding crowd. And um, I met Dennis Hopper, another hero of mine. Actually, Dennis told me a story, a uh, very funny story, against himself and Jack Warner. He had <coughs> been quite successful with Easy Rider, so he was the uh, flavour of the week. And Jack Warner, against all the advice of all his, Jack's people, had given this kid a load of money to go down to Texas and make another blockbuster film for him. And uh, Jack went off down, and, or not Jack, but Hopper went off down and apparently, and as he said himself, just did all the wrong things with drinking and drugs and every kind of ridiculous stuff he was at. No film coming. And Jack Warner was wondering where his film was and he sent down messages every now and then. And eventually, apparently, this is what Hopper told us, <laughs> he got an ultimatum from Warner that he either appear in the studio the following morning or all money was withdrawn and everything was done. And Hopper decided he better go up, so he flew on a plane and arrived up and he met Jack Warner in the office up at the top of the studio. Warner was sitting behind the desk with a big cigar and a whiskey. I said, oh yeah, finally come to see us. Good. Now, come with me for a walk. And he didn't say anything. Got up, stuck the cigar in his mouth, walked ahead of Hopper and Hopper was like a little schoolboy behind him with the master, not sure what it was going to Walked out through the studio, down the stairs, met all the other stars. Hello, 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 Mr. Warner, Mr. Warner. Walked out, kept walking and Hopper was thinking, this is it, he's going to throw me off the studio. This is it, it's done, I'm finished. And they do walk out through the studio gates. And then he turns around. And he says, turn around, Jack. Turn around, Dennis. Now what do you see? And Dennis says, oh, I see the studio. Yeah, what else? I see stars over there and I see the sound stage. No, no, what else do you see? I see I see that tower up. No, look up, what do you see? Oh, yeah, well, I see the Warner Brothers sign. That's right, that's right, Dennis. That's Warner Brothers. Now, the day it says Hopper Brothers, you can make whatever film you want to. Until then, you make what I tell you. You have three days of having my movie or you're out. <laughs> and, 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 that, that's a brilliant Today it story. says Hopper Brothers. <laughs> and then I, I believe that you partied with one of the Stones. I that's a, that's another story. I did myself and my brother Jarlath and uh, another man from my hometown, Jerry O'Reilly, who used to own Bad Bobs. But uh, yeah, we met um, Ronnie. Came into the restaurant, and uh, he just sat. He was on his own, and he had a bite teach. And then he said, "After, is there any place that would go for? I, I could go for a, a, a drink or a place out there." And I said, "No problem." He said, "No, it's a place I won't be bothered because he, he, you know." It's yeah, I get it. Yeah. And I said, "Well, look, I said we're going down to Bad Bob's in a little while. If you want to come with us?" So we went down to Bad Bob's. Where he went down, with my brother Charlotte first, and the bouncer wouldn't let him in. 
And uh, oh, here you are, you're rocking in here. This is Ronnie Wood, Jarrison. Yeah, 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 Ronnie Wood, Ronnie Wood, blah, blah. And then Jerry Riley came out and warned the place. And Jerry saw Ronnie and said, this is Ronnie Wood, let him in, what's wrong with you? So we spent, an, I spent a weekend, they went down to his house then for a party for his wife. And uh, he had based his kitchen. He brought us down to show us, he based his kitchen somewhat on the boxy house. No. The old world, yeah, the old world. Well, he, he's actually a superb artist. He had paintings all over the house of Mick Jagger, paintings of landscapes, and I didn't know they were his. And I said, wow, these are really great. And they're his. He's a really good artist. Yeah. Very good artist. And, you know, uh, my brother jammed with him in the, was in the, he was staying in the Shelburne, and my brother Jarrett has a tape somewhere of himself and Ronnie jamming some old song that Jarrett had written that Ronnie humoured him to, to do it with him. So, yeah. That's that's a nugget folk summer. That's a nugget yeah, summer. Yeah. Ronnie Wood of the Stones and this and this J- and lo- lost here yeah. and and Charlotte Gallagher. Um, you know it. You know when I listen to you tell all the different stories, it the thing that I see is the big smile on your face, the the happy memories that you have, and how much music means to you, and indeed how much it means to all of us. And I'm sure that people are listening to this. You know, every one of you, you'll have a favourite artist or song. Maybe if you're feeling a wee bit down and you put this song on, it makes you smile. Yeah. It makes you happy. It makes you maybe want to dance. Or sometimes it can make you want to cry if there's a particular song that has a memory in it. But music, the one thing music does, it touches your heart. It 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 reaches into your soul. And I think that's so important. I mean, even if we look to our brothers, you know, in the southern states when there was slavery and, and, and the blues music happened, and that's all they had. They, they lost their dignity. They lost their freedom. They were abused. They were beaten. They were, they were hardly allowed to live. But the one thing that they had that couldn't be taken away from was their ability to sing and create music. And that probably took them through some of the darkest times it saved them. Indeed, the same here as well, if you think of our traditional music. The Cadian and the houses in the dark winters and the, you know, during the times of repression and when England was ruling us. And, like, that culture was trying to be extinguished, but it never could be. That, you, that they could perhaps push the Irish language out, but they could never push the music out of people. Because, as I said to you at the start of this interview, the music is an inherent, fundamental part of human nature. And it's not just that you have to be a musician to, for it to work for you. We are all touched by it. And I firmly believe it's like a force. And it's and as that philosopher, I can't think of the name, it stops reality from killing us all. You know. I, think, I think that's so true. Um, and basically, Ronan, uh, you know, on that note, I think uh, we'll say thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us here. I also want to say a special thanks to the Angler's Rest for giving us a private room here. And there might have been the occasional noise, but I don't think it detracted from hearing what Ronan had to say. And uh, that's... Irish people are like that. We're like a community. We do help each other out. And as look, communities in every country do. That's. Yeah. But I think community is important. Music's very important to the community. Doing this radio show, uh, you know, and I know Ronan does one as well. But for me, it's so important to highlight the, the talented people out there and what they've done. And I hope by listening to this interview, you know, you've learned something about really never give up. 
you know, if you have something you want to do, never think you can't do it. Always believe that you can and find a way to do it and you'll get there. Yeah. So on that note, on behalf of myself and everyone else here on the Torn Up interview, Ronan, thank you so much for joining us here. That was a wonderful interview. And um, until the next time, uh, look after yourself, be safe, and thanks so much. You're very welcome, Jerry, and thanks for having me. Take care, everybody, and turn it up. is fear